All right, so we back. Another episode of the Sipping Spades podcast. We got the usuals with me. I got my man, Reggie J. We're about to, it's, it's going to be Reggie X soon because Black History Month is coming We're up. Heading mm-hmm. We're heading into that month. Heading into that time of year. Word. And uh, prop, props out in Atlanta. You know, got a studio session. He's oh, about no. to make some, some hit records, I assume. But we have a very That's special guest with goal. us. Yes, and we have a very special guest with us today. We have my homie, Ebony Davis here, who I'm actually working on a super dope project that I won't say anything about because we can keep it under wraps, but we're working on something cool um, that'll be coming our way soon. But for those of you that aren't familiar, super, super, super talented black woman. Um, She first came on the scene through her modeling and she's just transcended and become so much more since then, Um, an activist, a writer, spoken word. She's doing music now. She does a little bit of everything. So, I mean, um, I'm very glad to have you here with us. And um, even though even though you can't play spades, we're going to bend the rules for you a little bit today. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get you right, because we just did this really dope deal with Bicycle, where we created our own spades deck. So part of my initiative is in 2021, I'm trying to rid the world of spades deficiencies particularly in the melanated kind of people. So I'm going to be giving you a special tutorial. We just shot a tutorial video, but I'm going to get you on Zoom. I'm going to give you a one-on-one tutorial. I'm going to send you a deck and we're going to get you right. But thank you for joining us, despite your space deficiency. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. It's been a very interesting day. Uh, It's inauguration day. That's Um, good to do. Yeah, but I'm feeling, I feel really great. I feel very grounded and very just present in this moment and very excited for the future. Yeah, you know, one of the crazy things, the reason that we're here today and especially on such short notice is, you know, we were on the text message thread just talking and Prop, um, you know, I mentioned something about the inauguration and I know Prop, you know, I I can let Prop kind of bring us into it. Today is a very significant day. Um, we're not going to pay too much attention to negative, but we have to applaud that we got Agent Orange up out of here. And it's a more positive thing. It's more about we have our first, not just women vice president that was sworn in, but woman of color. Now, for me, I think that's actually the biggest thing of all of this. This is about um, not only just what she symbolizes, but it shows the progress in terms of what women of color who are, whether people want to admit it or not, the backbone of this country, and they're the ones that help us get through our thickest moments, and they're what help us win these elections. Um, Do I think the inauguration signified anything great outside of that? Not so much, but for what it did for us in terms of where it showed us the progress of what women of color go and everything of that nature, absolutely. I'm proud, I'm happy about today, I felt joy, but outside of that, like, they're not going to get me to jump and feed into the, oh, my God, we got, no, we didn't do shit yet. And I think that was on text thread, Greg, you and I referenced about how they have the house, they have the house now. So I don't hear none of that shit that they said about Obama's hands were tight. Nah, we have full control. Let me see y'all do some real shit for the people that put you in a position of power. Yeah. So it's just like, with that being said, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but I just think that for women right now, I like, it's like when you're walking down the street and you see well, we a woman got, of color right now. You... 
You give him the head nod. Yeah, and we, yeah you, but you know we, but we got like, a woman, but we got a woman of color. We got a black queen with us right now. So I, I really want to hear what Eb has to say. And, and, you know, she told me she's going to have some interesting things to say. So I'm interested to hear it all out. Uh, I work in the business of symbolism. I am a model. Symbolism. I work in the business of optics. So I understand very well how important it is to see Black people, particularly Black women, in high positions. I understand that when I am photographed with my big natural hair and I'm on a billboard in Times Square, that gives a young Black girl the opportunity to look up and see herself. That gives a young Black girl the opportunity to look up and go, ooh, I can make it there one day. It's hope. You know what I mean? It's possibility. However, I like you said, I don't think it goes beyond optics. I don't think it goes beyond symbolism. And it's like, at a certain point, how much symbolism do we need? I think we need tangible, real change. And I don't think can that's going to come it? from... Hmm? No, can we touch that change? Like, is that change actually a real I thing? Or... Um, in my industry... So much has changed on a on a visual level. You know, they're starting to incorporate more black women and more women of color in front of the camera. But behind the camera, white teams, you know, the people who are calling the shots, the casting directors, the agents, the people that are hiring. And that is very, very parallel to what we're seeing in the government right now. It's like, okay, the symbolism is there, the performative, you know inclusivity is there but what is that actually doing you're not putting money in in people's pockets like people of color black people in my industry maybe if they're in front of the camera but like i said the whole infrastructure is built around whiteness and in the government the whole infrastructure is built around whiteness it doesn't matter if you have a black woman woman at the forefront if the infrastructure is white you know what I mean? Of anything, it's more damaging because it creates the illusion and we feed this illusion. It creates the illusion that we are free and we are not truly free. I think Kamala Harris is a prop. I think Kamala Harris is a prop that was used to put Joe Biden in a position of power. And I don't think we would have elected Joe Biden if we didn't have a fucking terrible president before him because we would see how terrible he is as an individual. But we can't see how terrible he is or we can't publicly critique him and, and be vocal about it because of what we're coming from. If we didn't have that contrast, if we went from Obama to Biden, that never would have happened. You know what oh. I mean? It's only because that we have this contrast that he's even put in a position to possibly run for president because ultimately he's a monster too. So so I, I love everything you just said and it's so interesting. I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad that we can pull back the curtain and, and stop playing the game because, you know, like everybody knows, Reg knows, he's on a bunch of group texts with me. I'm the dude that's like, yo, when y'all are ready to acknowledge that this political system is a farce and really talk about change. We could really talk about change. If we're just talking surface level, then yeah, sure. Who's gonna be the president, this, that, the exactly. third. But but what I wanna ask you, you know, because I'm a little bit more radical than most. So I wanna ask you before I really go into my thoughts on this whole thing, um, because you're in such a good, great train of thought is Ebony. First of all, coming into the election, is the election a process that you take seriously at all? And if you did, or if you did slash do, who did you really want to see in office? Because you said 
you know, Kamala's been kind of used as a prop to get Biden in there. So to you, does that seat mean anything? Or is it, are you looking bigger than it? Like we need to change. I stopped, I stopped taking this seriously in 2016. <laughs> like I, I stopped taking it seriously. And I, and I realized that since, since 2016, I have emotionally, menti- mentally, completely divested my energy from this system. I, my energy will not be used to perpetuate this war machine, this divisive machine, this oppressive machine. I, I cannot participate in this. That means I'm giving consent to oppress. I'm giving consent for my own oppression. As a black woman, I'm the first to be oppressed and I cannot consent to that. And I think that's what black people have to realize. Like, as long as we participate, we are consenting to our own oppression. Like you are giving someone permission to oppress you. And I don't think, I don't think that connection is being made. So do, so do you feel that there's not value in Trump being removed from office, or you feel like it's kind of a lateral move? I think there is value in, tr- in Trump being in office. If I'm keeping wow. it 100, like, thank you, President Trump, for shedding some fucking light on what this country really is. Like, can we not all act like because we had a black president that racism has been eradicated and everything's all good? Like, thank you for revealing oh, our no. shadow and showing us who yeah. we really are. Like. I'm hella grateful for President Trump. If I'm keeping it real, like, wake the fuck up. Can we stop all playing? Can we stop pretending like everything's all good? Yeah, I think I think um, that's the that's the the nail in the coffin right there, right? Because I've been saying Greg knows. I've been saying this for a long time. I got criticized a lot. By, Me and Reg get in this argument all the time, where about, it's like about, about why I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, right? Because it's not because I wanted Trump, it's because um, I didn't believe in her, right? I don't believe in- Did you in, vote for Trump or you just didn't vote for Hillary? You no, vote I didn't her. vote for Hillary. I, I, I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not a Trump guy at all. Um, but I, but was I gonna sit here and cry about about a bunch of racists and um, getting getting their votes in and, and, and selecting them? The, de- the Democrats had a duty to put someone in, in front of the, the uh, um, American public that would would really get us to go and vote for them, right? They knew they knew that black people were increasingly um, divesting from Democratic Party because we've been supporting them for a long time and we've never got anything from it. So so when the the chickens came home to roost, like like to, to roast, like 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 uh, uh, Malcolm X said, right? They were, they were, everyone was devastated, but we knew, we knew. So, so now that we have Kamala and I do want to, Kamala and Joe Biden, I do want to give them uh, time because they're there now. But I do say these are not progressives. You know what I mean? These are not people who, who, who actively seek change. You know what I mean? They're, they, they want to go to the party. They're, they're here trying to stop that. I don't mean to cut you off, but the thing that's funniest to me, right, and I don't even want to dive too much into this because it's going to turn into a political debate. Yeah, did you guys realize that a lot of the people, like someone like Kodak Black, someone like um, Lil Wayne, they're in jail for some of the policies that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were the ringleaders for. And I think it's funny that on the way out, Donald Trump is a motherfucker pardon them. I do, am I for Donald Trump? No. Am I for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden? No. 
I think that right now they're just the figureheads that the public is kind of duped into believing are going to be the leaders of change. But making come full circle, like you said, Reg, they're not fucking progressives. So how are they going to be leaders of change? The holy Democrats and Republicans believe in a lot of the same things, right? And and one of the things that they believed in for years and years and years is to be punitive to black people. That's that's what they believed in. And then they also got they also got elders in the church community, especially, to believe in that as well. Yep. That's how the crime bill got passed. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, go ahead, Greg. So the crazy thing is, so the reason that me and Reg would have so many arguments about this is that in the moment, I I was totally I understand the whole let America see who they really are ideology. I understand the whole it has to get worse for it to get better ideology and things like that. But just like you you came on and you said originally when you talked about having your your Afro out big and being on a billboard in Times Square for a generation of kids to go through four years and eight years in their formative years when they're just learning how to process thoughts and things to see this guy on a podium every day saying the most racist and bigoted stuff and doing all this stuff and dog whistling these people to me was so detrimental that I felt like you were going to break so many kids that were going to lose faith to the point where, you know, I did a documentary with HBO um, called Raised in the System, which was about the school to prison pipeline. And all those kids that I touched in all of these neighborhoods, the biggest thing that really put them on the path to prison is that they checked out of the system so much that they felt like, yo, I can't even have a quality of life without doing crime. And they put themselves to a position where because of what they were seeing in the media, they weren't seeing love for themselves in the media. From the time they were young, they already knew. The only people getting it are drug dealers. The only people getting it are this person or that person. So that's the life they chose. So for me, okay, cool. I can agree with y'all. Four years of Donald Trump, there was value in that. I don't see what a second term of Donald Trump was gonna do for us. <laughs> because if if we went, if we had a capital riot where people were dying after four years, and the next four years, he's not even worried about getting reelected. Like, I really do think we would have had a full civil war on our hands. I, I think America revealed himself. I think I think I, the only problem I have right now, I think I think I, I want to see what what becomes of everything since it's all been exposed at this point. But the, I, I'm, I'm nervous when I hear people talking about we have to unify. You can't you cannot unify with racist people. You just can't. And that's and that's the the that's that's the word that everyone wants to use unify unify unify. I can't unify with somebody that hates me just because I'm me. So why? That's Ebony. That's what, Ebony, what's your what's your um, and not to minimalize your ideas into like a sentence or two or whatever, but what is your like ideal solution for the problems that you see in front of us? Because you pretty much said you don't want to give value to the system and let them, you don't want to pretty much give value to this system that doesn't, um, doesn't benefit us. So in an ideal world, like if you had a genie and you could wish your way into an ideal world, what happens? Cause we always talk about what's wrong, but we never talk about how we fix it. Yeah. 
Well, just going back to what you're talking about before, I don't think another Trump, uh, four years of Trump is necessary. I, I, I think he did what needed to be done. And I think in these next four years, it's actually important that we have a Democrat in office so we can see that we cannot depend on the system to create change. I think we had to, you know, have a very bad Republican president and a pretty bad Democratic uh, president to see that there's no hope on either end. And I think that's really going to be the catalyst to get people to divest. And that goes into my ideal world. What is my ideal world? This democracy isn't working. We don't need to be governed by anyone outside of ourselves. And that's what I want Black people to awaken to. My ideal world is a world where Black people know their power. We don't know our value because we have been stripped of it. We were not paid for the labor that went into building this country. So we don't know how valuable we are. Do you understand? There's never been equal compensation for the amount of work that we've put in. We've never been compensated for that. So we don't know our value. We've only been told our value and our value, the, the value that we've been told we have is very, very small compared to how powerful we actually are. We are generators of this reality. We are creators of this reality that we experience as black people. Our connection to the divine is what creates this experience for us. And we have to realize that we cannot put it in the hands of some white person or somebody outside of us you can't even put it in the hands of your mother and father or anyone outside of you to govern yourself autonomy is my ideal ideal world a world where i have complete autonomy and power and self-determination the ability to determine for myself what i want to do and how i want to do it and that's not going to come under this democracy someone asked me the other day um like what do you see for the future like do you believe that black people could go and like create their separate a separate economy outside of whiteness absolutely not because capitalism wasn't created for us why would we continue to participate in a system that wasn't created for us why do we continue to participate in a democracy that wasn't created for us in, in capitalism someone has to be oppressed that's how capitalism works. Someone has to be poor so that somebody can be rich. No, we can't go create our separate economy using the same model that we that we have been under in this, uh, you know, white supremacist system. No, absolutely not. We cannot do that. Everything must change. The way that we see money, the way that we see each other, the way that we see value, everything must change. How do we get a reset, though? Like realistically, because I, I know what That's my idea is. Thing. I can't I can't I can't say my idea out loud. That's where my mind is at. But I, I'm not a, like this Zoom call might just disisappear if I say my idea out loud. Because that's how I really realistically I feel like um just to hint at it, because I know a lot of people can say, Oh, don't cop out and say you can't say it out loud. But essentially, if you look at what was taken to make this country, how can you think you'll live here and be able to take the country back without doing just as much, if not more. Hmm. So I'm not going to get into depth because I don't want to, you know, talk about if you guys, huh? if you have half, if you have half a break, you can read between the lines. Ready? You got the gunpowder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying like they, they, in order for them to create this, you know how it's like when you watch a house get built, right? It takes all this time to get built. And what do they need? They need C4 explosives and a wrecking ball to take the house down. You can't just come in and blow it over. Like, this isn't a fairy tale story. I, I, I love blowing up from the foundation from the bottom. I love all that. The problem is that we have, and this is 
been black people's problem for a long time. We have so many people who are, who look like us that people can prop up and be like, look, look, he doesn't want this. This look, he's fine with the system, how it is because people are giving these trinkets, right? They're giving these, these, these little, these little, um, trophies and they're able to sit on up top and be like, but well, sometimes they're big trophies out to you. You'll get it. Some you'll get it somehow. Meanwhile, our community has been shit for 30 years. Zip codes by zip code have different educational systems for 50 years. Like this is not a, if they wanted to, 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 to wipe out um, a lot of black oppression, they could have started with the educational system a long time ago. They could have said, yo, you can't have five liquor stores on in the, down in the same, in the same block without having a, um, a market there that had fresh fruit. They, they could start with those little incentives, but in the black in their community, bro, that's what they live by. Like, you know, it's like, we put in lookalikes in certain neighborhoods. And then now, these same black communities are now being gentrified and, and taken away from us. Coming back and saying, oh, we like this place now. Let, now we can put the, 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 farm, the farm stands in here. You know what I mean? Like, it's bullshit. I think uh, the revolution, I think part of it will include violence just because that is what America was founded on. But I also think that black people have this romanticized idea of revolution that is centered around these uh, sort of Black Panther symbols with the rifles and the berets and the black leather. And they don't realize, or we rather don't realize that the revolution is internal. It's an inside job. It's mm. deprogramming your mind. It's shifting your belief system. It's yep. aligning your behaviors with your aspirations. It's healing from the trauma and the patterns that were passed down from your parents because yep. those are what continue to perpetuate the reality that you're experiencing. I know for me that my choices on a day-to-day -day basis and who I choose to spend time with and who I choose to, you know, be in romantic partnership with and who I choose to surround myself with as friends has a much greater impact on the quality of my life and the experiences of my life than the president. But I, that is determined by my self-esteem. That is determined how much I love myself. That is determined by how much healing I have done for myself. That is determined by how much I've looked at those generational patterns and broken them. Healing is the revolution. So it, 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 it seems like you're saying that um, instead of us looking to the political system for our answers, we have to look internally, yes. which is which is great, which is great. Internally, you realize that the political system has no control over you because you're an autonomous, powerful being because you are a black person. Like, so, your blackness alone makes you a hundred million times more powerful than this system. This system cannot touch you. So what I, what I ask you, um, what I ask you, and uh, I think that, um, and I, I agree with everything you said, but what I ask you for the person who is in, um, you know, like a kid I met in Richmond, California, right? You know, he grew up, his mom was um, a crackhead who obviously crack got in our neighborhoods from the government. They put the crack there. So she, um, you know, had a drug addiction problem. He grew up with her 
having a drug addiction problem. And because of that, you know, the schools that are in his neighborhood were underfunded. They didn't have the proper resources, things like that. What do you say to somebody like that? Like, okay, I can do all this internal looking in, but in terms of me just wanting to be able to feed myself, they're not giving me an option. You know what I mean? If you're in the right, like me and Reg um, and Prop, I'm sure as well, we grew up in a very nice neighborhood where our school was 99% black, me and Reg, but they also had a 99% uh, graduation rate. We have very good teachers. We were scholastically awarded and things like that. So it's like, <clears throat> it's very easy for me to say, yo, stop, stop looking for these people to save you. But I've never had the government's foot on my neck the way that some of the people in the hood have it. The people that are in section eight housing and things like that, that don't have a pot to piss in, you know? I mean, my mom was a crackhead, and I think uh, that's, we can start there, like, not to even put that label on her, because, like, the sum of her being is so much greater than that experience, but, like, my mom was on crack, smoking crack, pregnant with me, stripping, like, I don't come from a privileged background, like, I'm not speaking from a pedestal, and I think that's where people be having me fucked up, because I have this, you know, flourishing modeling career, and I've been able to create something for myself and I'm trying to convey that I've been able to create this for myself because I have done the healing you know what I mean like because I have done this for myself that I'm not speaking from a from a, a privileged place I'm speaking from a place of experience you know and so I think that's that's what you tell you know people from these underserved communities. It's like, you need, you need people like me, Bridges, people who have been there, people who have, you know, people who have been through that experience, but who have also done the work on themselves to get them to get out of those experiences. This is, this is a, uh, and I'll answer that question as well, Greg. Um, this is a community thing, right? This is not just one person being able to, to pull themselves up on the bootstraps, right? This is community work right here. Right. This is this is creating uh, um, this is for people reaching out and not just leaving their communities, but coming back, putting resources in the communities, putting black dollars into their communities and, and promoting things like therapy, not going to a white therapist, going to somebody who understands you. Right. Going to bring bringing each other into th that light. Right. Because once, once you reach it, you, you deserve to pull someone else up. Right, that's the only way we can do it because because we're not waiting on anybody else. Right, and that's what this healing work does. When you do the work to heal yourself, you realize your family and your community are number one. How how can I be of service? Becomes the number one question and the number one purpose in your life. And a lot of people don't know what their purpose is, and it's because they're lost. They don't know themselves. They haven't done the work to heal themselves. When you heal yourself, you realize that your purpose is literally to help other people, to be a solid member of your community, to be a mm -hmm. solid member of your family, to heal the links that have been broken in your family due to trauma, to go back and forgive, to make apologies. You know how much forgiveness I've had to offer to my parents because like I shared the experiences that I had when I was younger like that had crazy effects on me throughout my adulthood but now that I've done the work to heal myself I can go wow thank you mom for those experiences because you've informed my journey and I can now go back and grab a hand and pull somebody else up because I know what they've been through so be being of service becomes the number one thing 
Yeah, yeah we, I'm, we have PTSD. <laughs> but, I love, but, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I love everything that you guys said, and um, you know, I, I have to, I have to because I've had the conversations with some of these people. I have to play devil's advocate to what you say, Ebony, because there will be people that listen and say like how do I do it? You know what I mean? And like you said, it's mentorship. And that was the, you know, the documentary I worked on raising the system where we found Richmond was able to bring their crime rate down. They hired um, reforms, um, ref people that have been through the juvenile, the, through the prison system and reformed themselves as grown men. We had, they hired them and they went back and mentored these kids that were committing a majority of the crimes in Richmond. And they were able to bring the crime rate down in a historic rate um, just through that mentorship. So it really is powerful. And I know a lot of people that are going crazy about the Kamala may feel like, yo, y'all just stomped on a moment. Y'all called her a prop and this, that, the third. But um, the symbol is very important. The symbol will never not be important. And, you know, on the topic of symbolism and you from your background and things like that, you know, obviously you've modeled, you've done magazine coverage, you've been in a lot of um, campaigns and things like that. When that Vogue cover came out um, of Kamala on the cover, um, I'm not sure if you heard about it or if you've seen it. Yeah? Yeah, I saw it. So do you feel that that cover and the um, the lack of, you know, people didn't feel like it was special enough. It looked very basic. Do you feel that that has a lot to do with the fact that this is a woman of color who was the subject in this um, shoot? Yes, I will say yes, in the sense that I think if it was anybody else, I think if it was Hillary or anybody else, they would have put a lot more thought and care and detail into it. Um, it was very basic. But I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I guess, like, I, I definitely feel like there would have been a, a more attention to detail had it been a white person. Sure. So it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal to you seeing that magazine cover as somebody who's I'm sure you've read a million I'm not emotionally invested like that's why I'm sitting here and I don't really have an opinion <laughs> I'm really not emotionally invested in this thing like I've got I'm far from it like I'm watching everyone in this circus from the outside and I'm just like can you guys like stop participating like there's a whole other reality that's available to you outside of this thing that you're participating in giving all of your mental and emotional energy to like imagine if i do you know how much mental and emotional energy it takes to have an opinion on something like why would i sit and put time into forming an opinion about kamala's vogue cover i literally don't care and it's not because I'm apathetic and it's not because I'm not socially aware. It's because I realize that this is a game. Like this is the matrix, like divest, step outside, awaken to who you are. Okay. Um, is, that, is that a message? <laughs> um, now, nah, but, but in this similar topic, right? We, we see that a lot of people, um, a lot of women, especially when they're in, 
higher profile picture pictures um when they're in high profile positions i should say um like ceos and politicians they always have to be in a suit or something like that i i kind of always want to get the opinion um on do you think that's synonymous like women can't be quote unquote sexy when they're yeah, in these sure. positions I think, I think it further perpetuates this uh separation between you know being an intellectual or being someone who's sexy um like you can't i think someone like meg the stallion is so amazing and such a sensation because she you know be shaking that ass but she's also a college student you know and i think that uh that erases this separation uh in the black community or just in in america in general that's perpetuated that's like you can't be smart and also uh, be sexy at the same time. And I think we really, really need figures like that, that disrupt that narrative. Okay. So would you, would you like, cause I'm sure there's, there's, there's because people that you do like who are, you know, um, maybe they're not, maybe they're not, uh, um, politicians, but they're leaders of a movement. You know what I mean? Like I like Tamika Mallory, right. Um, do you, do you want to see more of that in traditional politics kind of thing? themselves like like not everyone because okay. i don't I, okay. i'm not gonna believe that all these people oh. wear suits all day right ultimately, so this is a, ultimately this is a manifestation of patriarchy right okay. this is a, a manifestation of white male power you know this this need to put women in suits in order to be taken seriously which is ultimately a suppression of divine feminine energy. It is our sexual energy, which is also our creative energy. So to suppress our sexuality is to suppress our creativity. To suppress our creativity is to suppress our ability to think outside of the system. So the divine feminine must be suppressed in order to perpetuate the matrix that we are in. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in but in let's say let's take it out of politics, right? Or take it out of, you know, like just you talking to me, right? Let's say I'm a lost soul and you're trying to put me on the right path. Do you feel the way you present yourself will affect your ability to communicate your ideas to me and have me absorb them? Like if you're wearing a t-shirt like you are now. Like my communication skills don't change whether I have on a dress or a t-shirt or, you know what I mean? But that depends on you. That depends on your perception. So like, you let me know, you know what I mean? And I think yeah, but perceptions have been so skewed and so programmed, if that's what you're asking, yes, because our perceptions have been so skewed and so programmed to, to associate intellect with white maleness. And so everything that's not in proximity to that, you know? Yeah, but I'm saying aside from the whole suited and booted thing, I'm talking about like, you know, you're obviously somebody who has your agenda, things that you want to communicate. So I'm just asking, do you put thought into how you're presenting yourself? Is that ever a concern of yours personally? If you're going to go do your TED talk, are you saying, I got to dress like this, otherwise they won't take me serious? Does that cross your mind? Or have you freed yourself from that line of thinking? I think that's the whole point of me going natural. I think that's the whole point of me deciding to be disruptive with my Afro and go against these Eurocentric beauty standards that have been perpetuated in my industry for so long. I aim to be disruptive. I'm here to disrupt the narrative. I think it's, I think 
God intentionally put me in this body as a black woman, you know, an attractive black woman. I've done Sports Illustrated. I've done Victoria's Secret. I've done all the sexy shit, all this, you know, Savage Fenty. I've done all that, but I've also done a TED Talk. I'm also very articulate. I also know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And I think that is very intentional because it disrupts this notion that you cannot be sexy and smart at the same time. It disrupts this notion that you cannot be a black woman and achieve at the same time, you know? So honestly, yeah, I do put thought into how I look. And for my TED talk, I did wear like a suit. It was very, very conservative and, you know, but I would you change that today if you went back and had a today, I don't feel like I dress authentically I'll put it that way I don't know you know I probably wouldn't go out there with like my cleavage out and midriff but I don't dress like I don't really dress like that anyway like you know I probably would have just yeah. dressed like myself I would have been more comfortable I wouldn't have felt like I had to put on and uh an act i guess in a way or like put on a costume in order to fit the role of someone who would give a ted talk because that's essentially what i did is like i put on the costume of someone who would give a ted talk versus just going out there as ebony so so do you believe that it's like more in like our our heads i'll say our as a community because like i seen i seen um a newscaster tweet the other day that after two years she got she got uh, um brave enough to wear her braids to work right um on the on the newscast and and people were like oh my i can't believe that that this is still a thing right and even for me years ago if i had like a job interview or something like that i would i would shave my beard because i'm like okay you know that's that's something that that is more presentable kind of thing and it's like and then more you think about it's like yo who's who who is these outsiders to tell us it depends what again is white male like our our standard for everything is white and male so the more that you deviate from that standard like the further you go from that standard the less likely you are to achieve that's what we've programmed ourselves to believe and so in order to achieve we feel that we have to get closer and closer by any means to that standard whether that's cutting off your beard or wearing, you know, straightening your hair instead of wearing your braids to work or, or me wearing extensions instead of, you know, wearing my natural hair to, to go do a modeling job. It's like anything mm-hmm. that puts you further away from this standard is problematic. And how can we, as black people, we are the first, as a black woman, I'm the furthest thing from that. Yep. So that means no. in your authentic my form, my success yep. requires me to completely reject myself. That no, like I, def- I believing that my success depended on how well I was able to reject myself. You know, and like I, I stand by that statement a lot of times. But I think a lot, a lot of that has to do with like there's a lot of different things with that, right? Like in terms of the dress. Male whiteness definitely has a lot to do with a lot of industries, but a lot of these industries are actually like fraternities. They may not be fraternities for us, but like I worked on Wall Street, right? And I was quote unquote disruptive because they couldn't pay me any amount of money to shave my fucking beard. But like, and that wasn't a black or white thing. That was just like, nah, if you're Wall Street culture, that's what they did. They tried to talk to me. What's up? I was just saying like a culture thing, like a culture of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a culture thing of that world. Like everyone's clean shaven, you have your shoes. Like, and 
Like, some of these dudes dress with swag and shit, but these, there's different, because I'm a guy coming in there with a tailored suit, and I got red socks on, and I got, like, just not traditional for that world. And they're like, oh, this guy's jumping off the runway. So that's like, that aspect is a cultural thing. That whole concept of, like, I have to show up to certain situations wearing a shirt tie, a shirt tie, a three-piece suit, that's just bullshit, too, because that's the male whiteness thing. But then there's the other thing where I started realizing, too, it's like, I'm a very big Second Amendment guy. I believe that black people, we have the stigma that we are scared to have guns. Oh, my God, I'm going to jail. Nah, if these crap, if these white people can run around with their, with their guns, legally, I'm saying, legally, why can't I run around with that? Because even my mother, she's always just like, you have all these guns, why? And it's all legal guns, though. Like, I pay for all my guns. But so now, with that stigma, I think that definitely goes back to the way that we dress and carry ourselves, right? Like, and it's kind of how we touched on last episode. Um, that sometimes you find yourself not even just turn down your blackness, but you find yourself almost kind of making yourself smaller or fitting or whatever it is to cater to that culture. But when you look at these white people, like look at a guy like Gary Vee, he's showing a cursing, he got sneakers on, he does all that. But because he's a white male that's comfortable on himself and he's successful, no one tells him shit. But as a black person, they look at him like, can you believe a nigga came in here talking all that shit and he didn't even have a suit on? And all that? It's like, my man, what are you talking about? Right. What's so interesting is that white people have projected onto us their shadow. They've turned us into their boogeyman. All of their, you know, sickness and all of their violence and everything that goes on in their head that they refuse to accept about themselves, the rape and the, you know what I mean? They've projected that yep. onto us, you know, and they've turned black people into that. We have become the monsters in their narrative because they refuse to accept who they really are. And because whiteness is the standard, we therefore have to reject who we are in order to align with that. Because they've projected this onto us, we have adopted this way of being because they've, you know, they projected these things onto us, but they also created environments in which these things would come to fruition. You know what I mean? They put us- Security, creating insecurities, all different kinds of shit. Huh? No, it's like what we're saying, like the right. insecurities they, and they, just they, the liquor they, store in every corner. Education. And so these things, these behaviors that they projected onto us then became behaviors that we adopted. You know what I mean? And then in order to achieve or succeed according to the standard of whiteness, which has now become this symbol of purity, because white people refuse to see who the fuck they really are, we then have to reject our shadow. We reject who we are. You know so, what I mean? Yeah. So first of all, um, do you just do you just every conversation you have just drop bars all the time? Like, is that just a thing you do? Preaching. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of bars. A strong relationship with God. Like my relationship to Spirit, I really feel like a conduit for this this message, and I really feel like I'm here for this moment for a reason. So I these are things that I think about a lot. These are ideas that come to me a lot, and I just. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly just like sort of channeling. Dude, so the thing I'm going to ask you and like, you know, I really have to uh, ask you this question for an important reason. Do you feel, because for me, whenever I try to teach certain people things or I try to tell certain people um, this or that is happening, um, I always find it that people learn better from experience, right? So I could tell somebody like, for example, I had a friend who um, wanted to date somebody that I was like, trust me, you don't want that in your life. 
and she just had to go through the process to learn on her own. So I, when I look back, I'm like, you went through this process where to get at the top of your industry, right? You had to plug so much into the game and the rules of regulations of how it worked to the point where you got to this point where you were just like, this is all bullshit, right? Did that journey, did you need to go through that journey to become the Ebony who's now dropping bars every 10 seconds? Like, I absolutely did. And that's what I, you know, I touched on it briefly, like with my mom and, and the idea of forgiveness and thank you for these experiences rather than me resenting you because it uh, put me in a position to, you know, help other people. It's like all of these experiences that I had in the industry and being so like brainwashed by the ideals have put me in a position where now I can really speak to the psychology of it because that was my mind. I've literally had to reprogram my own mind and observe my own thinking. And so I understand the patterns of, of thought that people go through and why they behave certain ways. And so I definitely feel like my experiences in the industry and like hitting this point of rock, rock bottom and complete self-rejection was very, very necessary in order for me to become who I am. So, so in, ter in terms of like going back to the whole sexuality aspect of it all, when we have Cardi B, Meg Thee Stallion, Mulatto, a lot of these like really, really massively popular female artists who um, there's a lot of people who would say that the over, the hypersexualization is perpetuating the stereotype that they want the black woman to serve as right white men have placed um, black women in a box. A lot of people say that me. I don't necessarily feel that way, but I know that that's the conversation that's had like I have friends who will talk about yo, I can't have my daughter listening to WAP. I can't have her watching Cardi B twerking and Meg Thee Stallion doing this and Buss It Challenge. Like I have friends that have daughters that are like, I don't want this for my children. This is connecting them to a stereotype that's going to put them on the wrong path. Um, how do you balance the sexualization? Like, cause I know you said it's the divine feminine energy. So. And, and that's what I'm sort of uh, thinking right now is like I, there's been a suppression of divine feminine energy on this planet for so long due to capitalism, patriarchy and white supremacy that now we're sort of seeing the pendulum swing to the other side and we're getting this sort of extreme, uh, you know, feminine sexuality. And I think that's working for this moment because it's breaking us free of what we have been in. And I think eventually we will find an equilibrium, but I do think that this is very necessary for this moment. I think everything serves its purpose. Do I feel like it will be this way forever? Do I feel like this is the ideal? Not necessarily, but do I judge it? No, because I understand that we are breaking free from patriarchy and in order to do that, we have to completely own our shadow. We have to completely own our sexuality. We have to completely own all of the parts of ourselves that we've been taught to reject. And that's what this looks like. That's what this is. This is us owning all of the parts of ourselves that we've been taught to reject. Prop, Prop and Reg, I, I challenge you guys to kind of share um, and, and, and be honest about it. Um, when you see the representation. Um, this feels like a setup, Greg. I'm gonna be honest with you. I got some background noise on my phone, but this feels like a setup. Like, no, nah, I'm not sending you up, but I do want, because you know what the thing is, right? You know, and it's, 
um, a lot of us, a lot of, there's conversations that happen on the side, right? Between guys where they'll be like, oh, this is like, what is she doing? She looks like a thought or this, that, the third. But then we get in mixed spaces and we're like, no, 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 we're cool with it. So I just want as close to an honest answer as possible. Like when you see everything that's going on and the way that, you know, a lot of the female artists are, I think, yo, the other day I was listening to Ariana Grande and she had a song, um, 34 plus 35, right? And she had Meg Thee Stallion and Doja Cat on it. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I listened to it and it was a metaphor for 69. And I was like, Ariana Grande got a single about 69? What the hell is going on here? Like, Ariana Grande, the Disney chick? I feel, all right, listen. Like, this is my personal opinion about it. I should have a personal opinion about it. And I won't put out this disclaimer earlier. A man should never have an opinion about what a woman should be doing with her body. So this opinion is strictly for the show. I don't have an opinion about it. Women, you can do what y'all want with it. But based on the environment that we're living in, um, I think it's cool that women own their sexuality. Do I think that sometimes it may be a little bit much? Not much in the aspect of like, oh my God, I'm an American that's approved. Because when you go overseas, like, if you go to France, there's breasts on the screen all the time. If you go to Europe, like, women naked is not a thing. Like, that, for us, we're taught that that's a taboo, right? But in all reality, I think it's just more so like how everyone's playing, how right now it's very, very dramatic or like very polarizing to one side. Um, that scares me only sometimes because there are a lot of young women out here that are lost and they have like identity issues and they're trying to figure out things and they may be going through an ugly ducking, a ducking phase that every single one of us here went through that they might feel insecure and they might start to think certain things like maybe the only reason why he doesn't like me or whatever their orientation is, they don't like me based on the fact that I'm not doing what they see going on in the media. Cause like kids are very impressionable. Like in terms of the, like, that's my main thing with the hypersexualization. At the end of the day, we all adults, you're over 18, you're smart enough, you go get yourself tested every six months, like cool, get it how you live. But my problem is the influence it has on kids because unfortunately a lot of parents have to work two and three jobs to make ends meet. And they may not be there to hold their child's hand as much as they want to. And a lot of us, like, although I came from a great family, like, we're all kids that are raised on hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? So now imagine if we're being raised in an era that it was very hyper-sexualization. Like, yeah, like Cardi, Cardi B says, I don't cook, I don't clean, but how'd I get this ring? So it's like, I know that people are looking at it. In defiance, like, if you think about it for real, that's in defiance of patriarchy. I don't cook, I don't clean, I don't play. A, a woman's role like I'm not doing those things like I'm a boss chick you know what I mean and maybe that's not again the ideal way to go about it and I don't think that's where we are going to find ourselves a few years from now I think we are very polarized in the in, in the direction of female liberation I think we are very polarized in the direction of female sexuality but, and I think can I ask you a question yeah and I don't mean to cut you off, but I just had to remember because Greg, you brought up a great point about Cardi B, right? There's a video going around of Cardi B, like where she becomes frantic and startling. She's running to turn the phone off because she's listening to WAP and her daughter comes in the room. Oh, wow. Now, if your record pushes you to do that kind of shit, right? How do you really feel about it? That's right. my thing. Like, I just remember that when you brought up that Cardi B because I don't know, did you guys see the clip? Like she was startled, I didn't see that, but I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked because these it. people. But but the the music, see, the, and this is what I what I said to Greg before when we had the, we was having this this brief conversation, is that 
um i'm i'm cool with the, i'm cool with it you know what i mean people are adults people are are, are doing what they want to do i think i think i think that everyone wants to label people in boxes and when you really get down to the to, to the nitty grit of it cardi b mulatto and all these people are not for kids they're not for kids so yes i understand that they're going to listen to it but they make adult content and if women women are doing what they want to do as long as they're safe and as and me as a man I don't have to agree with any, anything anyone's doing, just like they don't have to agree with me. Um, so, but also, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have dominance over their body either. So, if if they were doing that before me, I'm not going to be the one. I'm not looking up people's research. You know what I mean? Like, like this is, I, I, I only can can uh, um, can like judge you based on how you are with me. You know what I mean? I think, I think for so long. Their balance has been that men like future got ten kids or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like NBA like, young boy has like, like NBA young six. like these people like we're, we're we're talking about we're talking about the bare minimum when it comes to, to the shit because we we have we have um, rappers who are absolutely insane representatives for, for 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 young black men. So I can't I can't even get on a ledge and say yo, but look at this person, look at that person. Yo, we have the, the worst representatives. Yeah, and, and we're not talking about that enough. So I no, but my, and I'm with you on that. But my other thing is too, right? Is that like I think that because we're in this voyeuristic era where everyone thinks that they're allowed to have an opinion about someone else's life, everyone always got some shit to say when they should be shutting the fuck up and minding what's going on in their own house because everyone wants to throw stones when they live in the glass house. But exactly. that's just my opinion. Exactly. And I agree. If we look at it beyond this moment and really observe like the greater patterns that are unfolding, it just doesn't really leave room for judgment because you understand that we are coming from an era of very strict patriarchal rule where women were supposed to be in the house and they were supposed to cook and clean and raise children. And now we're moving into this era of liberation. Like I said, it's mm -hmm. the pendulum. It's one extreme to the next extreme. That's how things work. If we observe it in terms of patterns, we do. I think we'll see that we will reach an equal equilibrium eventually. You know what I mean? And I don't think we have to call out certain individuals, and I don't think we have to, you know, target certain things. I think we can look at yeah, it from a broader perspective. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 that, that's a good point. Um, that's real. It wasn't like um, it wasn't to necessarily say this person is that that and that, but. Just to say that I'm not criticizing these people, and and the, the world is not really criticizing these people at large. Like like they're showing the, the light on, oh mulattoes showing her ass or or making stuff. You know what I mean? So I think that that they're if we're gonna do something, we have to just be careful about about who we're shining the light on, um, on certain issues. You know what I mean? While we're leaving other people alone. Yeah, I, I was told and. I know sometimes my friends get mad at me, the ones that have kids, because I always tell them like, yo, my job as a creator, I, I, I make films, and my job as a creator, as a filmmaker, is not to worry about what your five-year-old kid might think of my movie. You know what I mean? Like when I'm in the writer's room, I'm not thinking about them. So to defend creatives, it's like, I'm creating for who I'm creating for, and sometimes I'm creating for myself, and sometimes I'm creating for a certain audience. So. I put more onus on the parents to create 
an environment where there's filters and there's checks and balances in place um, that will stop your kid from getting his hand in the cookie jar, right? You know what I mean? Like you can't leave a pack of Oreos on a table and then your kid's obese and you're blaming Oreos for making uh, fat consumptuous product. It's not like, why'd you let him eat all those fucking cookies? Like you shouldn't have had access to that. Sorry for lack of a better um, analogy, but you know, these that's how I look at it in the end of the day. But I always do wonder, and because we have Ebony here and you're talking about unsubscribing and kind of finding things in self, the only time I really find it sad is when I get the hint of a woman feeling like she has to over-sexualize herself in that order to sell records. A function of the system too, exploitation. Like the system very much depends on exploitation and that is a pattern within myself that I had to confront because as I mentioned earlier, my mom was a sex worker um, and I'm a model. And so my body has always been used to generate my, not always, but you know, since I've been of adult age, started modeling at 18, my body has been used to generate my income. My, bo- my mother's body was used to generate her income and it's like at a certain That's such a deep. Yeah, it really is. It's like this evolution where this pattern is being passed down, right? And it's like, unless I confront it and take control of my image and how I present myself to the world, then it continues to perpetuate itself. I've been put in situations where I've been uncomfortable on set, but I went along with certain things that I wasn't comfortable with because I felt like it was what I needed to do in the moment. That was exploitation. You know what Can I mean? Can I ask you a question about that? Like, all right, and um, I don't know if Greg's going to promise this, but like, as people become more aware, like me too, and everything going on in the world, and being that you are a black woman there on these sets, and you're usually the focal point of attention, have you noticed a difference in maybe necessarily the way that they treat you now versus maybe a year ago? Or is it something that makes you feel like, do you feel like everyone's more comforting and more accommodating? Or do you think it's something that it's just the same old shit? People treat me differently now because I have empowered myself and I usually have more control over my sets now. Um, I'm able to bring in my own hair and makeup. I'm able to like select a photographer. I have some creative direction uh, that I can offer and a little bit of power in that way. And so like the, 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 uh, the power dynamic is very different. But even recently I've had experiences where it's like, you know, I've worked with a, a hairstylist that was just like took two hours to like <laughs> do whatever the fuck she did that looked like my natural hair texture. I was like, like, girl, what you doing? But, you know, just like a lack of knowledge, <laughs> lack of awareness. But yeah, the the exploitation thing is very real. Um, but I also think this moment is an opportunity for men to confront their shadow as well, the same way that women are owning theirs. It's an opportunity for them to look and see where they have, you know, maybe um, suppressed a predatory nature or something of that sort. You know, I don't think it's 100% men. I'm not a men are trash type of bitch. Like I was raised by my dad and I grew up in a household with my dad and two younger brothers. So I'm not really a men are trash type of person. But I do think it's an opportunity for men to look at themselves and realize all that they have projected onto women, you know, calling us sluts and hoes and all of these other things when you know, we only see in other people, recognize in other people what we see in ourselves, whether we choose to confront it or not, whether we choose to own it or not, I'm only going to call you out on what I know myself to be. So I think this is an opportunity for all of us to heal. Wow. And, and th- I mean, that's very, very important. Now, 
this is me going extra with it, but do you feel a way about the obviously you feel well, let me take this back, but is this something that you find yourself around your other girlfriends maybe using the word like bitch ho or like if we're even like I'm not being funny, I'm really asking because like this is like a thing, you know what I mean? Like Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, I just, I I mean, maybe in a Zoom full of men, it's not the right thing to be like, I'm not this type of bitch, whatever. But, like, that's just... <laughs> it, like, well, I, would, I, <sighs> I would never, just because you call yourself it, I would never call it, like, that's right. how I... Because I understand what it feels like from a white person trying to say, well, you, you called yourself a nigga. Why can't I, I, I call you right. a nigga? I wish a motherfucker would, like... Right. Yeah. Not for everybody. I mean... <laughs> Word. But when we're talking about this, right? So, so this is actually a um, point that I did want to bring up, right? So you started your career as a model, right? And you you've recently broken into spoken word. Um, you're you're getting into more of your music um, activism. Um, so I always want to want to find out like how was the response? Like, did you get pushback? When did you? when did you want to just pull the trigger and be like, I can be more than, than just the supermodel, right? Um, I want to go into these other things. Um, right. Did you have any like negative experiences around that? Or, you know, if you can just mm-hmm. give me a little. So I've actually been writing poetry like since middle school. It was just sort of something that I pushed to the side to focus on life, you know, because, mm-hmm. because this world that we're in, this space that we're in is really not supportive of artists. It's really not, it, it, it tells you that you have to, you know, focus on reading and writing and arithmetic and then you go to, you know, you go to college and then you get a job and anything outside of that norm is just, there's no infrastructure to support that. So I've been writing poetry for a very, very long time and it's recently something that I got back into and it's very much a part of this journey that I've been on with going natural and then from that point of going natural, asking myself the tough question of, okay, what else is inside of me that I've been repressing? What other beliefs do I have about myself that don't belong to me? If for so long, you know, decades, I believed that I wasn't beautiful unless I had straight hair and that impacted my behavior and influenced my behavior for all of that time, then what other beliefs do I have that are running my life subconsciously? You know what I mean? And so starting to deprogram those things and deprogram the belief that I had to you know, go to college and da, 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 like created space for authenticity, my authentic self-expression. Who do I really want to be? Who am I in this world? What do I have to say? You know, and that's where the activism came from. It's like, what do I have to say? How do I feel about this? Who am I? Um, it, it really came from a place of like going through my own search for freedom. It wasn't like I just read a book about the black panthers or watched Mm -hmm. the vanguard and was like instantly like activated like yes i want to go put on a beret and grab a rifle it was like oh wow like i've been a fraud all of these years because i've been wearing this costume and behaving in these ways that don't belong to me who am i now did so this is this is you know you're 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 really successful as a model, right? This is a you diving into to who you truly want to be, right? Is going to go against a lot of people who, especially 
if they're just looking at you as as a capitalistic person, right? They're saying that, like maybe your agent, maybe someone who helps you with your booking. I'm I'm sorry, you you did ask that. Like I definitely got pushed back. When I went into uh, my agency after going natural, they were like, you know, you're gonna lose the clients Mm -hmm. that you have. You're not gonna book any new clients. rolled out of bed hair isn't going to work. And you got to think like, I'm a young- Rolled out of bed hair? Hey, some, I was about to say, someone said hair. that to you? Rolled out of bed hair. Huh? Someone said that to you, like straight from that city. me. And I had a fresh little uh, curly rod set. My shit was done. But uh, they definitely said that to me. And you got to think like, I'm a young black girl coming from uh, impoverishment. Like, you know, I'm a young black girl coming from a situation where both of my parents are- you know, have been addicted to drugs and I've done everything in my power to change that situation. And so you're threatening my livelihood. You're telling me that there's a possibility that people won't want to work with me, which therefore is a possibility that I got to go back to this destitute situation. Like you got to think of the pressure of that in me remaining, like deciding to remain natural and continuing to be natural. Like the level of defiance, the level of like courage and bravery that took with the possibility that I might not see another dollar. You know what I mean? Well, what was that guiding light? Because that's, I think, what Reg is getting at is for the people that are watching that are like, they're going like what to made this you day stay job down? that's restricting them. For sure. For sure. What made you look that destitute in the face and be like, fuck it, I'm going to call you bluff? Follow your passion at all costs. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I met someone who sort of like awakened me. Like, I, I just met someone who came into my life and I really feel like... Uh, that person was meant to enter my life at that time because it was like right after I had gone natural and like we would just talk and they were kind of like, you know, what would you tell people to keep them from going through what you've been through? Like, who, what is your truth? Like share your truth with this, with the world. And like having that, that, that seed in my head, I was like, I have to be true to myself. Like, that's what God is. Like, God is truth. God is authenticity. Like, God made me this way. And why would I reject that? If I reject that, I'm rejecting God. Like, that's not right. You know what I mean? To, to reject my truth is to reject God. To reject my experiences is to reject God. I can't do that. And so when those words were said to me, I really had to rely on a lot on my faith. And um, it wasn't in vain, like within three weeks of going natural and within three weeks of those things being said to me, I ended up booking the biggest campaign of my career because (laughs) of my natural hair. Calvin Klein, shit was on a billboard in Soho, like flew to LA for the job. And that was at a time when like my career wasn't as popping. So flying to LA was like a big ass deal to me. You know what I mean? Oh, they put me me the standard. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, just really having faith and understanding that like my truth, my truth is a powerful, powerful tool, you know, and it can be used to free myself and free anyone who's been through what I've been through. You know, how do I, how do I in this moment be the person I needed when I was eight years old? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's- I, I, I- did that person need that person needed a strong black woman who knew what the fuck she was talking about, who was hella intelligent, but not ashamed of her blackness at the same time. And also just had a big ass Afro and owned that shit. That's who I needed. That's who I needed to see, who I didn't see, you know what I mean? And so I had to be that for myself, for my younger self and for whoever else is coming after me. So it's, it's very interesting. I mean, first of all, this I'll go on record as saying that this is probably the most inspirational 
episode of the podcast we've done yet. Um, because, you know, we, 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 we come on here and we talk our shit and we crack jokes and, you know, we'll get into some serious topics, but you know, when the liquor's in our system and we're playing cards, it's usually, it goes another place. And, um, I really appreciate you for sharing so much of your story and sharing so much of your truth to, um, to kind of share where you are at now. Um, you know, something that I think is super interesting. Well, one use that I relate to is you kind of taking the leap and getting rewarded. Um, I had to do the same thing. You know, I, since I graduated college, I've never worked a nine to five and I've always known that I was going to get it in the creatives, um, in the creative world. And, you know, when I, when it got to a point where I felt even the slightest bit of pressure coming from my household, like that I should be doing something else to chase money. I left the household. I took the leap and I went and got an apartment and immediately great things started happening. And every time I've made that choice, you know, I've gotten rewarded back. And I do truly believe in the power of like really looking the worst case scenario in the face and saying, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll call you a bluff. You know what I mean? Like, let's see. Um, that is a huge part of getting to it. Now, a big part of everything that we spoke about, you know, I know you said to unplug and, you know, you talked about like not even allowing yourself to form certain opinions and not taking the energy away and things like that. But also there's these things in our lives, such as social media, that can sway us one way or another, whether it's subconsciously, whether it's consciously, whether it's just us going on there once a day to put a post up or things that we read or a comment that might trigger you from some of the trauma that you've been through and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I noticed that recently you, I'm not sure how recent it was, but I know that um, you, you do post, you do share your personal relationship on your social media page. Yeah. So, I kind of wanted to know, because this is something that I'm always fascinated about, and I haven't been in a, in a formal relationship in a very long time, so I always formal. think about it in a, in a formal. <laughs> um, formal. Formal. Um, I always wonder, how do you know when it is the time to share that part of yourself with your Instagram yep. following, and what are the pros and cons of it? And this is a question I have for everybody, like, when, what would prompt you to get to a point where you're going to share that? with essentially the outside world and um, and and the pros and cons of it. I've been dealing with this person privately, not dealing with, but you know, uh, dealing with this person privately for about a year and a half. And so we have a history, we're solid. And I think that's super important. I think people sort of get caught up in instantly wanting to post whoever with or you know, whoever they're having romance with. Um, but I sort of waited until we were in a solid place and I, and I feel comfortable doing it now because I truly feel like it's what the world needs. I feel like our relationship is bigger than just us. I feel like our uh, meeting was divine. I feel like us being together is divine. And I feel like the world needs examples of black love. Um, my partner is very outspoken, very pro-black as well. And I think it's just, you know, we talked about symbolism in the beginning of this conversation. And I think in, in terms of symbolism, it's so important. You know, I think God 
you know, gave me this situation to use it, not to exploit it, but to use it. It's a tool. Um, and I think that's a fine line, you know, the exploitation versus using it and sharing it. But it's not, I don't feel pressure to post and include everybody in what's going on. I don't, you know, run to Twitter and discuss the details of my relationship or anything like that. I, I post when I feel like it and I post when I feel like it's going to be beneficial for not just me or make me look a certain way, but because I feel like it's what our community needs. So do you not, do you not feel any of the cons of publicly sharing your bond? You know, I read comments sometimes, and <laughs> like his, he has a large, you know, he's a musician, so he has a large uh, female following, and they're oh, they be hating, they be disappointed, they be disappointed, but it's okay, you know. I, I, I just feel like, are they disappointed that he has a girl in general, or you feel that they attack you as a person? They don't say anything to me, it's just like. You know, they're just um, so devastated. Like I'm in a period of mourning right now. Like, <laughs> you know, every once in a while there'll be some wild shit. Like, can she fight though? <laughs> like, girl, we ain't never gonna be in the same room. Like, it don't matter. I laugh the shit off. Like, I think it's so funny, but. But what a but what a con to have. So many people want your man. <laughs> words. Yeah, like what a con to have. And I think you know, there. I believe in the power of words. So I definitely feel like there's a level of spiritual protection that I have to create in order to like protect this union. Um, but yeah, I, you know. I, so, about I think that it's also important, important to have, to be a symbol, you know, that this relationship is a symbol. I mean, ahead, I just want to ask, yeah, I want to ask you something about that because um, like your whole life, Right, is something that you got to deal with in public because you are a public figure and you decided on that. There's certain things that you don't want to keep for yourself. Like, and I understand that you're proud of your relationship, right? So you want to put it on display, and I'm very understanding that. But the way that these ruthless motherfuckers are on social media and all that, like, I I don't have the energy for it. Like, I yeah. like how does that translate into you thinking like, just let me keep this little bit of joy for me. Like, do you ever think about that or? Yeah, I do. And I think that's part of the reason why we were, you know, private for a year and a half. Um, but I definitely, I still, even in like sharing, you know, a couple pictures of my partner, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like that joy has been taken from me or that I have to share it publicly. You know, there's so many private moments that we shared that with each other that don't get, that don't make it to the internet. You know, I'm not one of the one of these people who feels like they have to exploit every joyful moment. Like, we just went out of town together. Neither of us posted a picture. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think yeah, that would have been like out of town with Bay on a flight with Bay at a heli with Bay, and it's just like, yeah. you know, we create yeah, our own sort of private world, and then like invite people in on our terms. Yeah. Now I got a, I got a question, right? So, so <laughs> when um. The first time you're posting a picture, right? Let's just say the first time you're posting a picture, right? Is this like a collaborative effort? Like both parties have to, I'm not just talking about you and your relationship right now, but both parties have to agree 
that this posting is going to Reg is asking, or, does he have uh, veto permission? Or are you going rogue? <laughs> more so, it's like he, he he's not really like, oh, I don't want you to post. He's more so, I think it's just about like, we just both want to look good, I guess. I don't know. Like, but he don't even be tripping off of that either. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A, a really easy going dude and I think he trusts me a lot to like use okay. discretion and discernment to decide like what is worth sharing how much to share you ain't gonna, gonna put him in but a did bag you, did you feel like you had to ask him for quote unquote permission to post I mean in the beginning yes like more so in the beginning um, definitely like you know we're both in the public so I think there's like a level of respect that we have to, you know, adhere to. Um, and so it's kind of tricky to navigate like at what can we post because this automatically shifts the public perception, you know, it's it's not just it's not just a, a couple posting, it's like two public figures posting like mm-hmm. blogs are gonna retweet, you know what I mean? And so there's like the, the implications are just so much bigger. Um, and so in the beginning, there was definitely like conversations about it, but I think it's, it's pretty free flowing. We just really have like a very deep respect for one another. You know, I know a lot of women feel like, um, if they're man or if they won't, if they're not allowed to put it on social media, they feel like, um, it's not real. And I, and I, and I have friends that are public figures also, and they've had to deal with, um, their significant other wanting to be like i want to share you like we're like i'm enjoying what we have going on but they're saying like yo i'd rather keep my business private for my career's sake and there's that whole battle so i know like and i know like from past conversations i've had with reg and prop and even myself personally i've only ever posted a girl i was dating and i didn't post like a picture of us dating i posted a picture that she was in and that only happened once since I've had an Instagram and it was like a Easter egg. Like you would have had to like known what was going on to know what was going on. Um, it's archived now. So don't even try to go and do your research or whatever. You won't find it. But, um, but I'm just saying for me, I've always, I'm, I'm Haitian. Like we're all Haitian actually, but yeah. you know, when you're Haitian, it's like, they always t- when something's good happening to you, they always telling you don't tell anyone because they're gonna start to pray against you. They're gonna start to put bad energy exactly. in the air towards you. No, but that's why my my level of protection. Has yo, to in Haitian, like our mothers would tell us things like "padia ken moon." That means like don't mm-hmm. tell nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Facts. So I've I've very much been in that mind state where I'm just kind of like. The moment you post, there's people rooting for your downfall, and you know, like, and and I and I've and you know, um, I hate to admit it, but I've I've looked at someone's page and been like, okay, you got a little boot thing, all right. Let's see, let's see, let's see if <laughs> the photos are still up. Let's see if the photos are still up in six months, and and yeah. and nine times out of ten, you go back. Like, I just want to know, like, like, where do people not and some people say when, but where do people find energy that that cleanse? 
like that blink that all of a sudden it's like that person didn't exist all the pictures are gone all the tweets it's like they just did a cleanse real quick like gone i'll got the edgy that. for it man <laughs> i'll got the edgy for it i don't know but uh it's I like the mrb I, I really feel that god is at the center of our union and so it's bigger than both of us i really feel like I said, this coming together is is a very divine, intentional thing on behalf of God and ancestors and spirit and everything that's bigger than me and everything that's controlling me. So, um, God got me. God got me. That God got me, and I and I wouldn't. Always. You know, I don't. I didn't rush into it. Uh, in terms of posting, I didn't rush the post, and I feel like everything is unfolding. Um, on God's time, it's, it's it's divine. So yeah. So I know I know Reg has a uh, spades his life metaphor for us before we bounce, but I do have a quick question for Reg and Prop. So mm-hmm. you get you get you get off the hot seat for a quick second, Ebony. Um, <laughs> what would it take? What point? Like, what would have to happen for you to be in a Instagram public relationship? Uh, for me, I mean, we just have to be committed oh. to each other in a in a real way not like as far as just like we're really you know com- exclusively dealing with each other um we think we have a great foundation and it's something that's going to that we think is going to last not just through the moment or the lust of it all you know what i mean um so you have to know you're going to be with this woman forever to start yeah, I mean, I mean yo, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be on front street. No, we we both have to feel feel that way. I'm not trying to be on front street. And no, then, I'm asking for you, like what would make you want to get to that point where you're like, yo, I, I want to post a picture with her. Because yo, not, only to, not, to, Go ahead. Yeah, not to put you on a blast, but I know on old episodes of the podcast, you've discussed that you don't even want to follow the girl you're dating. Oh, I mean, I mean, yo, this is the thing. This is the thing. Has there right? been some evolution, brother Red? No, <laughs> listen, listen. I, I, and my theory on that was always, you know, um, it's it's for my protection as as much as as much as hers, right? I because first of all, people don't care about your relationship. You know what I mean? People don't care about your relationship. About the drama so around it. you 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 get to see all the shit where where niggas is being mad thirsty. Um, you know, and, and she might just be- So when you say niggas, niggas don't care, you mean niggas don't respect your relationship? Niggas don't respect it because, <laughs> because they have no reason to. It, it's, it's up to the person that you're dealing with to to, to do it. You know what I mean? So- but, Ebony, but, have you found dudes have been respecting your relationship? Your DMs have dried up since you've posted or niggas don't respect it? Dry. Like my DMs pretty much stay dry. Shut up. Your DMs ain't been dry. I have a large- Black the lie detector results are in, and that is a yeah. lie. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Maury said that's a lie. <laughs> no, no, like I have a lot of black women who follow me, and I really think that my vibration, like my frequency, my energy, like protects me from a lot of bullshit. Like I really don't think men feel like they can just approach me crazy. Like I think mm-hmm. that they, if they see my page, they're like, oh, she's not someone who I can just DM. Like mm-hmm. there's so many beautiful women on Instagram who- they So you're telling me before you were in a relationship, yeah. you were not having men slide into your DMs? Like every once in a while, yeah. Like not 
but definitely not like crazy or like you know. I find that the, all right, I got theory, right? I'm saying my vibration. It's the energy I no, give off. No. Like. It's, no, I'm not. I'm not debating that with you. You like you would know better than anyone else. You are 100 percent accurate about your life. But I have a theory about women, especially pretty women. Right? Pretty women have to say no. I'm gonna undershoot two times a day. There's seven days in the week. That's 14 times. That's about 56 times in a month. <laughs> Damn near 600 times a year. Now, do I think that women aren't capable of saying no all the time? Absolutely. But I also do think that we're, I mean, they don't have any more, there's no more, I call it water cooler flirting, like, no one's going to a workplace where they might be flirting, some shit like that. But I say that to say this, so with all these horn dogs running around the internet nowadays, you're going to tell me, you, Ebony Davis, higher vibrating, good mind, you're going to tell me that there's not a bunch of bozos in your, you know that there's another tab that doesn't, that lets you know about people at DM you that you don't follow. She don't know about the general tab. That's what the problem is. She don't know about the general tab. She has no idea about it. I don't know. It's, I, I think, I think about this all the time. Like, trust me, like, I'm very aware of, like, how large a following I have and all of the possibility for creepiness. And yet the fact that, like, if you go through my comment, like, okay, I posted a busted challenge. I did, I did the busted challenge. I don't really do these challenges, but I decided I wanted to do the busted challenge. I don't know why. I was having a good day. It was fun, whatever. Um, and like when it was in my sphere of followers, like for the first, you know, 300 or so comments or, or what, like when it was in my sphere of followers, it was just black women. Oh my God, yes, sis, hard eyes, just like reverence, love, you know what I mean? It was only when it left my sphere. I knew, like, I knew the moment when it left my Please. sphere. Following like, comments started getting, um, you know, well, I got, I got called the N word. I got called the N word. I got called uh, a hoe. Uh, I got told that my parents must not be proud of me, and I knew immediately that it had uh, left my sphere because the people in my comments, if you look at my comments, are so respectful. It's black women, like they love me. That's it. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think you've created a brand where. Yeah, you know, between the spoken word, yeah, because dudes are probably looking and they're like, "Oh man, she's 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 serious. She's she gonna call me on my bullshit. She's gonna call me on my bullshit." And men will often run away from a woman that's gonna hold them accountable. So yeah, we we kind of let you off the off the hook, Reg, because Reg Reg had no intentions of answering the question <laughs> oh last th last thing i'll say last thing i'll say last thing i'll say before i get to the space of life right is that yo <laughs> like yo it would be the worst thing right to, to 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 have your relationship on instagram right and your girl's work husband is is every day bringing her lunch talking about yo i hope he dream you right yo. Like yo, yo, I heard I hate that work shit. I hate that shit, bro. Like yo, I, yo, and, and, and then and then next thing you know, you gotta go to work. You gotta slap the nigga up. Like you gotta like you gotta do all this extra shit. Like, but let me tell you something. If I was in a relationship for say two years, mm -hmm. and my girl wasn't posting me, I'd be like, mm. hey, well, let me ask you, me? hey, well, Greg, now the tables have turned. So you gonna tell me, are you someone that's quick to post your girl on social media? So if you guys noticed how my page runs. I don't really post. No, 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 no. I'm not going to dodge the question. I'm really going to answer it. But I'm just saying, if you notice how my page is, is Set up. It's so like all I post up? is like the podcast, 
film trailers. It's usually really my page is a business page. So um, if I if I if I got into a relationship and I was in love with her, like I'm not gonna get married and not post that I'm married. Yeah. But I also it it really depends what point of my career I'm at. You know what I'm saying? Like currently as a filmmaker, it's cool where it's like I have I'd say at least 50% of my followers I probably never met in my life, but I don't have 300,000 people following me like Ebony where I'm like, oh shit, like I'm putting a whole world of people yeah. here. And I'm on top sure, of that, yeah. Ebony is in a relationship with a public figure. So it's like, it's not like she just uh, threw somebody into this public world that wasn't already in this public mm-hmm. world. So I think that's something that does with, uh, deals with it as well though. If, if I was a, if I end up winning an Oscar and I have a million followers and I marry a school teacher, then I might not post her just to protect her from putting her in this world Bullshit. of the public eye that she's not in. But if I, if I had a Instagram that was just, you know, family and friends, hell yeah, I want to post it. Like right now, where I am now, if I fell in love with someone and we were madly in love. And I had a reason to post her. Yeah, I'm gonna post her, but I'm not just gonna do it just to like, hey world, I'm in a relationship. Like it's more like this is something we did that I'm proud of and I'm gonna post it. Yo, and my thing is like I'm with you on that. You know what's funny about that though? It's like they say like guys like us that have that mentality, it's like you're trying to hide your relationship. It's like, are you actually trying to hide your relationship? Cause I didn't wake up on a Thursday afternoon at three PM and go, I'm just gonna post a picture of me and my girl right now. Like, I don't know many men that think that way, and I understand, like, species is something that's different, but I think that men, it's not really first in our nature, unless it's an event, right? Like, we got engaged, we got married, or we're having a kid. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's something that um, we actually wake up and just go, oh, I'm going to just do it today. Like, and if a nigga yeah. usually does that, he just got caught cheating, or he got doing some dumb shit, and he's trying to win his girl back. Let's keep it a buzz. The day I wakes up at Thursday at 11 and he's having his lunch and he feels the, I love her. There's nothing more important. Usually that's a sign of trouble at home. So here's what what the crazy thing for me is and the reason that I'm probably going to keep stuff more private before Reg gets into his spades is life metaphor. Um, For example, like when, when the project me and Ebony are working on premieres and it has all these eyes on it, we go to a red carpet I'm going to post a picture with Ebony and be like, yo, I'm so proud of this project, blah, 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 right? What I started to notice was like, I'll post me and the director of my Dwayne Wade documentary and I can look at the insights on it, right? And if I post anything with a woman, the sticker taps are like seven times as high. So it's like, yo, I'm on the red carpet of an ESPN documentary I just produced. And y'all not interested in learning who's in the photo, but I post happy birthday to one of my homegirls and 300 people went to her page to see who she is. Why is she so important that he's giving her a birthday shout and adding her? Like there's so many layers to it that's weird. Yeah, and that's the thing that I I am a little bit worrisome of is that- People are just messy, man. Nature of social media, you know? That's why- Yeah, you give and take. Feel like they're involved with someone else's life. But I'm glad to hear your space is very protected because I don't I don't think you have um I don't think you have a lot of those problems, judging from what you've told us. Nope. So I'm proud we'll of keep you. It that way. Keep it that yeah, way. but before we get out of here, Reg, I know you got a spades is life metaphor for us. Let's hear it. 
So yeah, you know, like like Greg was saying earlier, you know, we we did this deck um, with bicycle spades. Um, we created it with Fuel by Culture, our partner, and obviously Sip It Spades. So you know, my spades life uh, metaphor is basically um, make sure you organize your hand, right? One of the most important parts of the game is organizing your deck when you get it right um it can it can help you it can help you on your way to succeed or fail so i think in life it's the same thing what we do every day our preparation um these things that a lot of times we overlook um they're sometimes they're 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 seen as non-essential but we all know they're extremely valuable to our day-to-day -day success um, so Ebony, I want to, I want to find out from you, like, what do you do like before a shoot or a project that, you know, helps you maintain a level of, of, of focus and, and how you can prepare each and every for these big moments in your life? Yeah. How are you organizing your hands? Uh, taking time to just connect with spirit, divine, you know, ancestors, this, this, uh, energy that I feel like is guiding me, you know, taking time in the morning to just like really connect with that and, and listen to it and feel it and just hear what I'm being pulled toward, what I'm being pushed toward, what I'm being asked to let go of, what I'm being asked to pursue um, and allowing that to, to be the guiding light in everything that I do. Mm. So meditation, is that part of it? I feel, I hate saying meditation because I feel like people hear that and they're like I don't know how to meditate or like you gotta sit still and be quiet for 30 minutes like usually I don't I don't really do that like I like to put on music and like get in my zone and I feel like that's a form of meditation that people don't realize is meditation because mm -hmm. we've been taught like this western way of meditating which is bland and white and lay down and, and thank you as black people thank naturally you. We, we listen to fucking a beat and and get a thousand ideas that's meditation yep. you know what I mean let that 808 and that bass hit you. I fuck with you, like for real. Cause I always tell people meditation is like, I'm gonna keep it real, right? Like we're not gonna dive into it, but we've had like a interesting cross path with meditation, not like on some group session shit, but we've had friends of ours pitch ideas to us of like group meditation, things like that. I'm sorry. These two guys and I, like literally a couple other dudes are the only like men that I actually like in this world. You know what I'm saying? Why would I want to sit around in a group with, some and it's usually like a small group of people that I don't even know and which are my energies, right? And I'm gonna be sitting there with my legs crossed going, um, but shit doesn't feel right or natural to me. Like maybe it's because black culture, like whatever it is. But like you said, wake up in the morning, have some silence, turn on some good music. Yeah. Maybe if you think like your sage, whatever, clear your energy and get your day going. But this whole concept we need to be sitting around with our legs crossed on me is weird to me. I agree. Yeah. I mean I mean for me I'm like I like I like to to play R&B, you know what I mean? I, I like to just get in like a good little vibe um, or just straight silence. Like a lot of times I'll just be listening to straight silence. And I mean, not listen to anything, just in my own thoughts, right? Um, I know I know. Greg always speaks about his preparation and like when he's on sets and things like that, you can tell us a little more about what how you get prepared for um, for when you're directing things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something um, very interesting that when I tore my ACL, I had never slept on my back a day in my life, right? 
So I tore my ACL. I come back from the hospital. I have this knee surgery on there and things. And I had to sleep on my back and I couldn't go to sleep for days. So I, I have a high pain tolerance. The pain of tearing my ACL didn't hurt me. They gave me a, a bottle of oxys. And the only time I took the oxy was to fall asleep, right? So eventually I learned how to sleep on my back. For some reason, when I lay down on my back, if I take a 10 minute nap laying down on my back, like my mind just starts racing. So whenever I'm getting ready for, in order to organize my thoughts, which is very important. First of all, I like to put things on paper and be very organized. I'll take a Gmail draft and literally make a to-do list of everything I got to do in order of importance. Um, but I like to take a 10 minute nap. Like I'll take a 10 minute nap and close my eyes and just think about different things I got to do. And most of the time there's music playing when I'm doing that. So yeah, it's connecting to the music and everything for me, you know, even when I'm editing and working on a film project, the music is the bed of everything. So in order for me to organize anything, which editing is literally the organization of footage, in order for me to organize my hands in any realm of this world, you know, I, I gotta have a good vibration in terms of musically and, um, and, it, and it has to kind of settle. Like Prop said, I don't wanna be around all these people cause it's like, I need to be by myself to tap into how I really feel so that when I get around all these different people I'm convicted in that energy and I know not we're not doing that because you got to make snap okay. decisions you and you have to be decisions. sure you got to be sure about that shit uh-huh. 100% that's the life of a creative man but um but yeah Ebony man thank you so much for joining us um I'm gonna get you right I'm gonna teach you how to play spades <laughs> you're gonna get you right your boy your boyfriend doesn't play spades Okay, so I'm gonna send a deck for each of y'all and we gonna get y'all right. Cause you know, he probably, here's the thing. Spades, so either gonna do great things for your relationship or bad things <laughs> for your relationship. Because if he's a spades player and he hasn't taught you yet, he's worried. He's like, you know what? I don't wanna put this relationship in the gauntlet. I don't wanna, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't wanna, you know, introduce right, us. Right here, bro to that level of uh, uh, scrutiny. So, bring it yeah. to the barbecue and <laughs> things go I've seen, seen it happen at our events. We had a Sip and Spades event. My young boy brought this girl. He told me, yo, this is my girlfriend. I said, all right, cool. And she played in the tournament with him. They lost very badly. And I was like, I don't know if she's the one, bro. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't and she like a month later, a month later, she was in the dust. <laughs> Never be like, you told again. me, bro. And I was like, yo, spades is, it's like tarot cards, man. You flip them spades cards up and you're going to see your future. Is she the one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But nah, thank you for joining us. Can you like um, let people know where they can follow that. you? Let us know what you have coming up. Anything that, you know, we could tap into. Follow me at Ebony Davis. E-E-D-A-V-I-S. That's all of my social media handles. Um, you know, look for me on your big screen for real. Like, yes. for me, in your, in your uh, iTunes and in your Spotify. I'm coming. So, yeah. I'm talking about. Let's get it. <laughs>